every day. Millions of dollars are lost to a lack of IT oversight and inefficient infrastructure. At QEH2, we take your security seriously and can handle everything from a new business startup to a Fortune 500 looking to make a change. We are an IT company that puts your needs first. Call QEH2 today at 303-688-7531 or visit us online at www.qeh2.com. Mention the Ladies Chit Chat Club and receive a free security evaluation. 303-688-7531. QEH2. Business Intelligence. Hello, my friends. You are listening to Grit and Grace. My name is Taverly, and I am your host. I'm here to share my entrepreneurial journey with you and will be bringing on some amazing women who've been helping me, mentoring me, and inspiring me on how grit and grace helps them crush it in business, relationships, fitness, family, friends, and all that good stuff. Now, let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Grit and Grace. One of the things I love the most about being a host of this show is the amazing women that I get get to speak to. And I have two of them with me today. And the best part about it is we're going to be discussing how important it is to develop out-of-the-box creative ways to collaborate, which collaboration at at its best helps different parties come together and mutually succeed. And it's something I'm really passionate about. For those of you listening, you've heard lots of my previous shows where I really talk about collaboration. And one of the most important parts of collaboration is being able to think creatively. You know, we're not in a time anymore where we have to follow a box or a script or do something specific. We can do what works for us which is today's episode. And I have two amazing guests with me today, and we're gonna start with Beth Barella, who is on my right, or in front of me, on my right, and she's the board chair of Colorado Women's Hall of Fame. Welcome, Beth. Hi, Taverly. Thank you so much for having us, because I love your positivity. Thanks. And this is a subject that's very positive. Yeah, and, and collaboration itself is positive. If it's done with shared values and you know mutual goals, which I'm excited about. We're gonna talk deep into that. And I also have on my, across from me on the left, Amy Artzer, did I say that right? Yes. Artzer, welcome Amy. Thanks so much for having me. And you're with the Girl Scouts of Colorado. Yes, I'm their community partnerships manager. Excellent, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. I was asking you before we started to record, you know, what is, what is Colorado in terms of Girl Scouts? Is that just its own individual chapter or is it a part of, a larger national organization. So we are part of a larger national organization of Girl Scouts of the USA who sit in New York City. Um, But we are a statewide council, so every girl in the state of Colorado who's a Girl Scout belongs to our organization. Gotcha. And we're going to talk more about that in a few minutes because I I definitely want to talk more about Girl Scouts because I don't think people really talk about Girl Scouts as much anymore except for the cookies. Yeah. And it's it's, it's way more than just cookies, people. If Mm -hmm. you're just always thinking about Girl Scouts in terms of how you're going to consume their cookies, we're going to let you think about that and expand your mind to think about a whole lot more today. So thanks for joining us. Sure thing. But Beth, I want to talk about the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame. Um, the moment that you and I first started this discussion, which we were thinking it was, what, six to eight months ago, mm-hmm. I think somewhere around there, about the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame, I didn't even know that it existed. And you know, you and I have talked a lot about how to change that, right? Mm-hmm. How many people know that we mm-hmm. have a, our own Hall of Fame in Colorado. 
But then I started diving into some of the women that are in that have been inducted into the Hall of Fame, and my mind is is blown. My heart expanded. You know, like my I got butterflies in my stomach to read and listen to and hear more about some of the members of the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame, because it's really, really, really special. Um, and so, thank you for the work you do on their board and the direction you provide. And tell our listeners all about the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame. Well, you're helping solve the issue that nobody knows about us, Mm. so this is awesome. Um, Colorado Women's Hall of Fame was started 34 years ago, and it was started by a woman named M.L. Hansen, and she saw that women weren't really being acknowledged for all the achievements that they were giving. History seems to be more his story. So what we're trying to do is just to add her story to history. So out of that idea 34 years ago came the idea of inducting great Colorado women, just like the Girl Scouts, it's Mm -hmm. Colorado only, great Colorado women into a hall and acknowledging them. Mm. So um, we now have 162 inductees. Those inductees are selected, or first of all, are nominated by citizens of Colorado. So it's not friends of the board mm-hmm. that that get into the Hall of Fame, it's citizens of Colorado. And there's a selection committee which is also made up of citizens of Colorado. But not the board. But not, there's, there's a board leader okay. to organize and provide the framework for them. It is the citizens on that committee that select the women. Mm. And I think they have the hardest job because in 2017 we got 77 nominations and we can only take 10. So we, um, for about the last decade, we've taken six contemporary, still living women and four historical. So we can add her story to history for, you know, a couple centuries ago. Because women were doing great things then too. You just didn't hear about them. Yeah, there are some profound stories out there that we don't know about. Um, and I'm you know, born and raised in Colorado. My family's from Colorado. And I know that there's a lot that I've learned just since I've met you and started following more along with what the organization is doing and how you're recognizing you know, women's impact on society in our state. Absolutely. I, I, I would have to say I have learned a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been on the board now for almost four years. I was not a history buff. I was a math major. I grew up in IT. Women were fairly scarce. I was a vice president, and most of my team was men. So I am not uh, real strong in this area, but in the last four years, my eyes have been open, and I've met some of the most amazing women that are just doing what they do because they know it needs to be done, not doing what they do so that somebody acknowledges them. So, you know, Beth, you're one of those amazing women. You know this, right? Um, And um, I say that because you just explained exactly what makes a woman's contribution to society. You worked in a leadership role in the IT sector, which is primarily men. So you had to deal with a lot of challenges. And and I know because you and I have spent time together, I know that it's not always been easy. But what you've done is paved the path for women in front of you. And so don't don't discount that you are one of those amazing women. 
I will just say thank you and stop <laughs> turning so red. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. Where's our video camera when we need it? I want a picture of Beth's face right now. Um, I, I do appreciate you saying that. And it is just important to me for other women to know they can do it too. Mm-hmm. They can do it too. And in fields that maybe they think they can't, they can. And one one thing I want to talk about, and I, I was going to say discussion point, I was going to say controversial point, because but none of those are correct. But that something like re- separating women in a Hall of Fame is could be perceived as further identifying the gap between men and women. And I, I don't agree with that. I think there is already a gap. So you are addressing it by bringing women up to the standards of where men are already held. Um, but do you guys get asked that question? Does it come up often about are you a feminist group? Do you only support women? And where do men play in with the success of these women? I guess because of my background, I'm very sensitive to that. Mm. Um, I worked mostly with men that contributed a great deal, and my teams made ex- had extraordinary results. So there's nothing in me that wants to say men are not capable. What I have noticed, though, is they're noticed more or they're acknowledged more because women don't seek that. Yeah. So in order to help everyone, including my three beautiful granddaughters, mm understand that women are doing wonderful things, we tell their stories. That's how simple it is. And there are sons and brothers and fathers that are terribly proud of these women and want to hear their stories too. Mm. So I kind of bridge the gap that way versus we're better than you. Yeah, it's not, it's not us. about that. It's and not at all. It really is not about that. Although, and that's why I asked the question in, in case anybody has sort of that thought, because I know that sometimes that comes up that, you know, segregating women into something, into a separate category furthers the gap, but it, it doesn't. Um, we're, we're different. We do different things. And if we're looking at bringing the history up to date, that makes so much sense to me. Uh, and I wish we had time to go through and talk about all of the 162 um, inductees, but we can't. But I will say, for those of you that don't know Cami Gilner, she has a podcast called Extraordinary Women Radio, and I know that she's interviewed um, a handful of the inductees, so you can head over to her podcast. Or, you know, if you're listening to this on Ladies Chit Chat Club, make sure you message me. I can send you the link directly. But I know some of them have been interviewed on her show, and, and we might have some on Grit and Grace. I think we've been we've been talking about that because, you know, this podcast is about amazing women doing amazing things. Um, it might have a swear word kind of women doing, you know, we'll, we'll say kick butt women doing kick butt things because I just agreed I wasn't going to swear on this show. Um, but I would love to feature some of their stories as well. I think it's possible any way we could get their stories out. Can I just spend a minute talking about how we get their stories out? Yeah, and I very wanna, quickly. I want to just say that the part of the stories that is so important to me, why I connect with that so much, is because when we learn from people who have done what we want to do, it shows us it's possible. And I I did a presentation on this recently, you know, at Podfest, and I was talking about. You know, if you if if you want to achieve something really great, especially in business or in life, there's somebody that's done it before. It might be a different industry, it might be a different way, a different method, a different process, but somebody else has done it. It's the best way to learn is from looking to those who have paved that path. So the story sharing part of it is so critical to me. I love that. Can I take you along with me? Yes. Everywhere I go. <laughs> <laughs> so so one of the ways we do it, you just talked about our podcasts mm. and 
we are open to more podcasts because mm. that's a way for people just to listen to conversations from these women, mm. which which are incredible. Incredible. We also are doing PBS films. We did five. We, we Colorado Women's Hall of Fame. I should make this distinction. We Colorado Women's Hall of Fame create films about our inductees, and we have a partnership with Rocky Mountain PBS that they will show our films in March and April to highlight what great Colorado women are doing. And once they've shown on PBS, you can download them from our website. So um, they're really fascinating and interesting. 25 minutes of finding out about this woman's story more often than not, you get to see the woman, unless, of course, it's historical. Um, and you get to hear about people who knew this woman and what their experience is. So that's another way we do it. We do have events, and then we have our induction. The last induction, we had 810 guests. So we had a lot of people learning about it. And then we have portrait exhibits. Mm -hmm. So that's some of the ways we do it. And of course, our website. Right. And I'm, I'm going to put the website in the show notes. So we will make sure everybody knows where to go to find those PBS films and all events and, um, and nominations, right? The nomination process is going to open this year. Is that correct? It's, it's open right now and will okay. close August 1st. So please nominate. That's and, how it all starts. And this is, for those of you, whenever you're listening, we are currently in April of 2019. So if you're you're listening to this in like 2022 you just better check the website and see what the date is of when to nominate um but we 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 really need to to switch it over to amy hi there yeah hi um because this is about collaboration today absolutely and people might be wondering like why do we have the colorado women's hall of fame with with girl scouts because people think girl scouts and they think young kiddos um or young girls right and and they're wondering, well, where's the correlation between the two? So tell me a little bit about how you got involved with the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame. Sure. Well, Girl Scouts of Colorado has an amazing relationship with the Hall of Fame. Um, we have several women who are Girl Scout alumni. So mm. they were Girl Scouts growing up. And I mean, we say once a Girl Scout, always a Girl Scout. Mm. Even though I'm over the age of 18, I'm still a Girl Scout. Mm. Um, so we have lots of women who have been involved that way. And then we also have um, an award we give out every fall called Women of Distinction. And there are several women who are Girl Scout, women of distinction, who are also members of the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame. Um, so our relationship goes back quite some time yeah that's and that I mean that's that just brings it all together that it makes sense I also think that one of um the important things that I see for the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame and you know I'm gonna just I always just tell Beth what I think you need to do this <laughs> um but we all were or she had already thought of most of what I've said anyway but I definitely think that we need to start fostering a younger generation mm -hmm. to appreciate again what's happened before because where we're at today is so different than 20 years ago and where mm -hmm. we're going to be at even two years from now things are changing for women at lightning speed and the next generation are going to be a part of the solutions to the challenges we face. And mm -hmm. we want that next generation to push that forward mm -hmm. and really embrace it and keep their voices at the table. Maybe you started a business in your basement or garage, but let's face it, that's lonely. And meeting clients in coffee shops gets old really fast. 
Enter Rise Collaborative Workspace. Rise was started by a woman just like you, who knows that you not only need a great space to meet clients, but also a great community for support and friendship. At Rise, they have offices or dedicated desk space to rent or drop-in memberships for those client meetings. Along with weekly learning and social events, Rise is the perfect workspace for women on the rise. Check out more about Rise at their fantastic website, riseworkspace.com, or stop by and check it out for yourself at the corner of Colorado Boulevard and 7th next to Trader Joe's. That's Rise Collaborative Workspace at riseworkspace.com and tell them you heard about it from the Ladies Chit Chat Club. Right? Yeah. And, and Girl Scouts, we're all about, we're a leadership organization. Mm-hmm. I mean, we want to help build leadership skills within young women who are the future of our country. And all of the women in the Hall of Fame are fabulous examples of strong female leaders. So being able to show girls what those women look like, um, I think helps them picture themselves in those shoes one day. Right, because we don't want our young girls to think, oh, I could be a Hall of Famer when I'm 60 or 70 or right. I'm deceased. We want them to be a Hall of Famer now. Sure. Like now, today, Absolutely. 18, yeah. 20, 25. You don't have to wait to do mm-hmm. something spectacular. Or you don't have to be at the end of your career right. to be thinking about the impact that you have mm-hmm. on the world. Yeah. Yeah, I have an 18-year-old daughter, and, you know, we, you know, she, she's my daughter, so she hears me talk about this stuff all the time. So she, you know, she's, like, immune to it, you know. She's like, oh, yeah, I know, Mom, I know. But I do think that I've been putting that message in her for so long that at some point she's going to make that turn a little bit and say, oh, yeah, what my mom has been saying, I, I get it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and hopefully it just becomes part of their everyday thinking, that they can dream big, they can advocate for the things that they're interested in because they've seen other women and they've learned about other women, especially Colorado women who have done it themselves. So let's talk about the Girl Scouts as a whole because I, I started this podcast by telling people that to put your cookies down. <laughs> put your cookies down and let's talk about something bigger that goes on because the reason why you sell cookies is to raise money. Yep. And I know that the profit margin for the cookies, I read an article, I can't remember, I think it was sometime last year, I read an article about the profit for the cookies is is lower than we would like it to be as, as those of us that buy it thinking we want to give more money to the Girl Scouts. People can donate directly as well. Yes. But the cookies are a, a revenue generation. That's yeah. the goal. Yeah. yeah. And the cookie program is great. I mean, it teaches girls goal setting. It teaches them how to communicate with adults. You know, standing outside a store asking someone to buy cookies is not necessarily an easy thing. So for girls to develop those communication skills at a young age is wonderful. And it does fund a lot of their troop activities. So girls will set their goals and say, we want to go to Paris when we're sophomores in high school. And they start selling cookies to fund those trips when they're in elementary school. And it's pretty cool what they get to do with that cookie money. Mm. But Girl Scouts is also about, like I said, building leadership Mm -hmm. skills within young girls. And they do that through camp, earning badges, um, earning patches, which are a little bit different. So something like the... Hall of Fame patch is one of those Which we're going to talk about in a minute, but yes. keep going. Yeah. Um, camp, if I haven't already mentioned that, yeah. is a huge part of the Girl Scout experience as well. Um, and I think the best part about Girl Scouts is they can be anything, and a girl can be anything she wants to be while being a Girl Scout. So whether it's a scientist, a teacher, so, uh, someone who works in the medical field, anything she wants to be, she can also do it as a Girl Scout. So talk to me about being a Girl Scout. So what is the age range? Um, 
for Girl Scouts? The youngest is five years old or kindergarten, and then it goes up through high school, so 12th grade. And then once a girl, after she turns 18, she she can become an adult member and be a troop leader or volunteer in a multitude of different ways. And are each troops individually managed, or do they follow a format? They follow a format to some extent. We recommend troops are not smaller than about five girls. And depending on how old they are, they could be pretty big. Um, But they are all volunteer run. So having adult volunteers part of our organization is what makes us run. Mm. We would not be able to do it without the amazing adult volunteers out there. And troops are required to have two unrelated adult volunteers. I was going to say, because aren't they mostly parents? They are mostly parents. Yeah. So they do have to be unrelated. So a mom and dad couldn't be a troop, couldn't be the only troop leaders for one troop. They would have to have somebody unrelated be also be a leader. Um, A lot of times troops, though, will have two main troop leaders, and then we call them troop support volunteers. So another parent or another volunteer who is background checked, an official volunteer, but they might not help out every time they might come help out at a field trip or at every other meeting or something like that. That totally makes sense. Um, do you guys actively recruit like high school students and I, I or I, I guess even college age students that are not current Girl Scouts to become mentors? Because it's a common it's a common part of a lot of programs in school, whether it's high school or college, where students have to submit a certain number of community hours. And yeah. I would think that this would be such a good way to engage girls. Um, we do have a lot of our older Girl Scouts will help out with younger troops. Um, it's definitely a great learning experience for them and they enjoy it but we also know that older girl scouts want programs that are designed just for them Mm. not when they're not just to help out with younger girls Um, and we do recruit college age students for more kind of episodic volunteer Mm. opportunities so whether it be for a big event or a weekend program or something like that just because it is a big commitment Mm -hmm. um And we also want girls to have a level of consistency rather than somebody who can volunteer for one school year. We want someone who can stay with them for the long term as they grow older. Right. Yeah, I understand that makes sense. And and the reason, and I ask because I know that there's often students looking for opportunities to volunteer, although they might be shorter mm-hmm. projects. Um, and I understand why you'd want a more long-term investment, but for events and stuff, that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So. So troops get together monthly, typically, or is it weekly, or is it different across the board? It is way different across the board. Some troops meet every week, every other week, once a month. Certainly, as the girls get older, they meet a little less frequently, Um, especially if they are going out and doing things with their troop. They might count that as a troop meeting, even though it might not be an official kind of sit down and plan things together. So it really is up to the girls. But a big part of Girl Scouts is it being girl-led. So if the girls want to meet once a month, then they meet once a month. If they want to get together more than that, then it's up to the adult volunteers to help try to make that happen. And I my, I was a Girl Scout when I was younger. Yay. I was definitely young because I, I can't remember a whole lot about it. I remember, I think I, I must, it was a shorter term period for me, but I remember doing um, some really interesting like nature walks and learning about the environment and I grew up in a small town so we were definitely a small group and Mm -hmm. we spent most of our time in the mountains which was good I learned how to use a compass I learned how to make fire 
um, without, you know, a, a lighter or a match. Yeah. I learned, you know, I learned how to catch a fish. You know, I, I learned about all different kinds of plants and animals because that's the area that I was in. And, and I really definitely would say that I enjoyed that very much. And being in Colorado, yeah, there must be a lot of outdoor activities. There are. Yeah. I think we kind of pride ourselves here in Colorado on our outdoor programming for Girl Scouts. Um, there are just some opportunities here that girls in other parts of the country don't have access to. So we have an excellent outdoor programs team and they run camps and outings and girls can do anything with Girl Scouts from rock climbing to snowshoeing and all cool outdoor things. Well, and I I don't know if this is something you've been involved in, but I know a couple of troops in the state have engaged us in some of the other work I do, which is I teach Krav Maga, which is self-defense. So we've worked with a couple troops and done some some training. So something for you guys to keep in mind, I am a huge advocate for at a young age as possible to teach girls and young girls and teenagers how to take care of their situational like uh, environment, like how to, to know what's going on around them, just to make smart choices is when to keep your phone away when you're walking and right. how to keep yourself out of danger zones as mm-hmm. much as possible. Um, so that's something you can always keep in mind for me awesome. if you've got a resource in me. But I know that you earn badges and patches. Yes. Tell, tell me the difference between the two. So badges are things that girls earn that come from Girl Scouts of the USA. So they're national curriculum that girls across the country are adhering to kind of the same set of guidelines. Um, and the same badge that they're earning. We don't design badges here at a local level. Um, so they all kind of come from national. Okay. Um, there are new badges coming out all the time, though. They kind of, they come out around July. So, so exciting. That must be like, yeah. It I is think. exciting when they announce new badges. Yeah. Um, they ha- always have cool things coming out that you would never, we would never normally associate with Girl Scouts. Which, so that's exciting. Um, and then patches are things that girls receive for inexperience or for learning about something. And we get to design those on a more local level as we see fit. Um, so girls could go to a soccer game and get a patch for soccer or they could play soccer and get a patch for soccer. But we also design more specific patch programs is what we call them where girls are learning going through a certain set of requirements and learning about specific things and then getting an exciting patch that we've designed and co-branded with whoever our partner may be which as we're talking about today is the colorado women's hall of fame yes yep so there is a patch that colorado women's hall of fame you have designed in partnership with colorado women's hall of fame so if the girls learn about so how what classifies learning so the Hall of Fame, several people, including Beth from the Hall of Fame, kind of came together and decided on a set of activities that girls could complete. There's seven activities that they can go through. They have to complete three of those seven activities um, to earn the patch. Okay. And it's cool because it's open to girls of all ages. So girls from kindergarten through 12th grade. And I think the activities are varied enough that it would be interesting for girls through that whole age range because they get to pick whichever three of those seven activities they want to complete and they can complete more if they'd like to. Um, So the Hall of Fame kind of came together and decided these are the activities that they think were best for the girls to learn about some of the amazing women who have been inducted. Yeah, I think it's great. Can I tell you a little bit about how it started? Yeah. So ML Hansen, who I said was our founder, who's also a woman of distinction, with Girl Scouts, and she really, really has a heart in Girl Scouts Mm -hmm. as much as Colorado Women's Hall of Fame, came to me and said, 
we need to work with the Girl Scouts to get the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame stories out. And Jill Teachin, who's also an inductee of Colorado Women's Hall of Fame, also a woman of distinction mm-hmm. with the Girl Scouts and very active, they came together and said, Beth, we need to do this. And I said, oh, okay, I have no idea how, but yeah, okay, let's figure it out. And um, ML found a contact in, in Girl Scouts and we got together, maybe had four meetings, five meetings, put it together, and we have a patch. Yeah. We have a fun patch. Yeah. We came up with the seven activities yep. that can be chosen from to learn about the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame. And you know what I like, though, is, is you are addressing a target demographic that doesn't know. Which is exactly mm-hmm. one of the things our goals in Colorado Women's Hall of Fame is. We want to get to the younger generation. Yeah. We want all girls and women to know about these women. And we had a little bit of a harder time getting that interest in the younger girls. This was the perfect path to to make that happen. So how many, um, how long has this program been in place? We just launched it at the end of January of this year. And have any troops gone through and earned their patches yet? Yes, Yay. we have had 106 girls complete the patch and receive the patch so far. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, th- that's very interesting. So how and how many Girl Scouts are there currently in Colorado? About 20,000. I mean, just imagine the impact when mm-hmm. you get up to ha- even just half. We bought 200 patches, and I thought, maybe, maybe in 2019 they'll give out 200 patches. <laughs> in I two know. Months, that's what I thought, too. It's 106. Yeah. yeah. You're going to have to print some more patches. Mm-hmm. We will. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So what are some of the other ways in which you're going to engage younger audiences? Well, um, this is this is a primary one. Mm-hmm. And as we developed this for the Girl Scouts, one of the things we developed is a um, scavenger hunt. And that scavenger hunt is you have to answer the questions of what women what women did what or what women have done what um, in like a test it's not a test but yeah. it's a fun discovery like a challenge. tool a yeah. challenge and i've already thought about some of the schools that ask us to come and speak i'd like to leave that scavenger hunt with them mm. cuz that gives them a follow up for that In addition to that, um, last year in our strategic planning effort, once a year we have strategic planning for Colorado Women's Hall of Fame. We identified one of our key initiatives for 2019 was to build an educational program that uh, teachers at all levels could easily adopt and put into their schools. Now we're just at the discovery stage of that. We're testing out and trying to figure out what the best way to do that would be. And of course, we're seeking funding Mm -hmm. so that we can do it at a very professional level. Um, So we're just starting that effort. Yeah, so you wanna put together a program that can be rolled out in a and replicated so you basically want to scale the program to be as available to as many places that want it as possible fifth grade colorado history would be perfect for them to just be able to take a package and for a week focus it on women yeah i think it's interesting because our education system has in a way what it was originally created for the models of society we don't it doesn't exist anymore so I, i feel like there is and i i'm definitely not um 
you know, an education specialist, but I understand that the model in which most kids learn or, or school districts adopt and implement is an older model. And so there are a lot of things that are different in today's society that isn't applicable in what kids learn, which is to me kind of a shame because we're missing the opportunity to provide real life learning um, examples in the school systems. But I have hope that that's going to change. And I think that we see this already happening at the college level because there is such a shift in the paradigm of what's happening at college and what people are actually getting from it and where it's going to go that people want more real world examples. And what I like about the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame doing that is that there are inductees in the Hall of Fame that are still alive. Oh, and they're, they're involved in their communities and they have the ability to create influence. Very much so. And, yeah. and just because they're inducted into the Hall of Fame, they don't sit back and relax now. They are still out there. They're not retired to pasture. Doing, <laughs> doing amazing things. We create a bio when they're inducted. I think we need to go back and update some of these women's bios because mm. they just continued on doing more and more and more. So they're living examples of you can keep going um, as long as you're breathing. So what's the youngest Hall of Famer we have now? Oh, gosh, that's a question I don't know the okay, answer well, to. Okay, we'll, we'll um, look it up. I, I believe it was Christy Anseth, uh, and she was... She was inducted, I believe, in her late 30s. Wow. And she's a scientist up at CU. But don't, don't, don't test me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't test me on that because somebody will find. Yeah, somebody will find. Just say we're, yeah. approx we're saying approximate yeah. here. Yeah. I just wanted to, to see if there were people mid-career because of your comment about wanting to update their bios. Because if they're mid-career, you're going to need to update their bios because you never know what's around the corner. Well, let me share what the criteria is because that will also explain to people why Generally speaking, it's older women um, that get inducted into the hall. Um, the first criteria is they have achieved enduring contributions in their field. Mm. So you can be a, an amazing person in your 20s. That's not necessarily enduring mm -hmm. contributions. So that word is really important. It says... Because that's a, that's a longer period of time. It to is, be able to use the word enduring, it means... A stay of the course. Right. Yeah. It is a longer period of time. The second criteria is you have to help. You have to have also helped women. So oftentimes when people are relatively young, they're busy trying to figure out who they are. And they may accomplish great things, but they haven't necessarily reached back yet. So part of it is also having enough time to reach back and help other women. And then the third thing is they really have to have had they really have had to change society. Mm. Those are big shoes. Those are very big shoes. So that's the criteria so that these so women So you're saying they need meet. they need to they need to have enduring contribution contribution they need in to their have field. made an impact on in a significant impact on society. Yes. And they need to have helped women do yes. the same. Yes. Those, those three pillars. So when people nominate someone, um, does the, in, if, if, they're, if they're chosen to be inducted, do they know who nominated them? It depends. Okay. So the nomination form can be filled out by anyone. Um, obviously, citizens of Colorado, well, I, I need to qualify that. No board member can ever fill out a nomination. So 
other than the board members, it's citizens of Colorado. It could be citizens of California or mm -hmm. New York. It could be outside of Colorado, but the woman has to have a connection to Colorado. Oh, so oh, oh the person that's nominating. The yeah. person, the, no, the person that's being inducted has to have a connection to Colorado. Oh, they don't have to be like born here, be a resident they, here. Nope. Oh, okay. So, um, well, I'll give you one example. Um, Susan Helms, who is an astronaut that was the first woman on the International Space Station and currently holds the record for the longest spacewalk. She, she was born in the Northwest. She came to uh, Colorado to go to the Air Force Academy in the first graduating class of women okay. and then went on to become, uh, a, um, I believe it's a lieutenant general in um, the Army. She was in the first class of military women who could uh, go to NASA. And um, so she wasn't born here, but she came and uh, went to school here. She actually came back to live in Colorado. Oh, gotcha. So um, you don't have to be here the whole time. You don't even have to live here when you're inducted. Right. But there has to be a distinct connection Makes to sense. Colorado. Makes I think that's an important clarification because I would assume that most people, without really putting the time to process what that means, they would think that it needs to be like a born and raised native. But, I mean, in fact, that doesn't make any sense because people – come in and out and change in life. And so a connection to Colorado is extremely important. And I, I understand what you're saying. That's really interesting. Good. Yeah, awesome. So tell us more about the Girl Scout plans for 2019. What's on the national, like, what's on the national scale going on this year? We have recently un unveiled a lot of new STEM-related badges and some outdoor adventure badges. So I think that things like that are still to come. Yeah. Um, some of the cool things include um, designing and programming robots, um, all different types of things, way more things having to do with the outdoors. I think we have some yeah. excellent partnerships at a national level coming right. out. Um, and to get those those experts involved in figuring out what is most beneficial and most realistic for girls across the country is really exciting. So any of those badges, we want it to be realistic for any girl, no matter where she is in the country, to be able to experience what that badge requires to some extent. So right. I think that that's exciting to kind of have that camaraderie for, around girls in the country. Do you guys address specific areas that we know that there's a shortfall in in different industries where we are lacking, you know, female representation in, in specific areas? Like, let's say in the trades, yep. you know, do you have areas of education around that specifically? Absolutely. But Love we it. do also try to stick to what we think girls are going to be interested in. Yeah. I mean, remember, Girl Scouts is always girl led. So yeah. if girls don't want to learn how to weld things that's not going to become a Girl yeah. Scout badge. Yeah, right. But we do, I can say here in Colorado, we're really excited. We're launching a cyber challenge in October 2019 mm. um, that's sponsored by Raytheon, and that's all around cybersecurity. Um, and we'll be having, we'll be hosting 250 Girl Scouts in grades 6 through 12 at an all-day program to figure out 
who hacked into, I can't tell you the system yet, but things like that that I think are super exciting. I think that's amazing. And that there is the relevancy, right? I mean, if if people think that Girl Scouts has lacks relevancy because it's, you know, more outdoors or nature driven, it's not. It's education driven, Mm -hmm. which if you guys are continuing to change with the times and flow with where we know, you know, we need to expose girls to, even if it's on a small scale, because that small amount of exposure might pique an interest where a girl is going to 10 years down the road when they're ready for college say you know what I really loved finding who did a cyber attack on this computer and I learned how to code or I learned how to figure something out it's definitely that exposure we know is so important right definitely I mean I would like to say that exposing them to welding or plumbing or electrical might do the same it tends to not as much I understand that (laughs) but I still hope that you know you expose them to that it's right it's an interesting conversation I had recently with a group of automotive dealers that I I work with in Colorado and we were talking about the lack of um, women in sales and technicians and we're discussing this topic and there's lots of different ways to address it that should be more a state or national level project as opposed to a group of dealers but it's an issue it's a challenge and you know all the old biases that you know we carry with us still even Mm -hmm. at my age your age Beth's age we carry these biases that those aren't women's jobs and exposing girls to that so if you need if you need an intro to some dealerships where you think that might some troops might want to go in and you know do something really special with cars i have that for you a car care badge there is there is and it's more around the age when girls are learning how to drive so we want it to be you know applicable to them so if they're learning how to drive they know how to change a tire or well i have a very 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 good referral for for that we're gonna we're gonna talk we're gonna talk off off the mic about that because i think you'll find it interesting can i just make a comment yes about stem because our culture really does tell women that um that they don't belong in it Mm -hmm. as much and it is hard it's a hard industry to work in. For a man or a woman. For a man or a woman. Yeah. My daughter is an event planner. That's a hard industry to work yeah. in. You work hard when you're doing good work and you're passionate about it. And so the more we can share with our young girls, it's not scary. Mm-hmm. You just learned it. You just learned how hacking works. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not a mystery. Yeah. So you can do it too. That message, when that message gets out, it dispels some of the other messages that our kids in school start to hear really loudly in middle school. It's so funny. And high school. I had a guest on my show, um, I think it was um, Julie Hulunga, and we were discussing at what age level, um, right? the difference between how boys and girls handle themselves in school when they stop raising their hands when those start really focusing on math and when that split happens and i i do think that there is something that is from our past and how we look at roles when girls get to a point and they say oh but this is that's mostly a job that boys do or that's mostly a job that men do because all of my friends dads do that job and all of the moms typically do this job and we're changing that what you're talking about is 100 percent changing that and showing through the colorado women's hall of fame what women have accomplished in the past it knocks those walls down mm-hmm. that's i mean you guys both are are really reaching towards those ultimate goals of breaking those barriers so it opens up the door for women to do anything that they want to do do you know that only 50 years ago, a woman couldn't own a house? Yeah. She couldn't sign a mortgage. 
I, I found that astounding. Yeah, for Colorado, for the Women's Entrepreneurship Day, I think it was 1982, <laughs> was the first year that, it's between 82 and 85, I don't recall right. exactly, was the first year that a woman could apply for a mortgage without a man's name. That's in my lifetime, right? It is. Yeah, I know. Isn't yeah. It? Not that it's, I'm aging myself here. You know, Amy over here, she's like, oh, I don't know what you're going to about. <laughs> right. That was before my time. <laughs> was before, but your mom could not. I know. But, isn't but that, your mom could not. I mean, I, I really, that, yeah. was, uh, that was my mother's time. If you think mm-hmm. about that, isn't that isn't that crazy? It's crazy. It's crazy, but but well, look at the it's change true. we've made. Yes. Yeah. I did a show on uh, a couple of different shows on fundraising for women that are starting their own businesses, and in my research in that show, I came across this study, and I don't recall exactly where I found it, so so don't quote me, but it's something along the lines of. I think it was in 2016, a group ran a study on women loans. So we're talking about loans all together, women uh, approaching loans. And they took women and men of the exact same status, like made up jobs, made up resumes, had the same confirmation and sent them into the banks at different times, same banks, to get loans. And women got 25% less than men. Everything else same across the board. And I'm like, well... Oh, okay. Well, that just means we got a little work to do still. Mm-hmm. That's okay. It's okay. It's progress. We've mm-hmm. we've we've made it this far. We're contributing towards the the solution. Yeah. Well, both of you, I am so happy to have you on and let people know that there are ways to get involved in our community and teach our young girls, whether it's through Girl Scouts or even through the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame, in all of these different areas to really help support women and girls in their desire to learn and to recognize the accomplishments of those that have gone before us. So thank you both. Thank you so much. Thank you. They can also do it through listening to Grit and Grace podcasts. Well, thank you. (laughs) Thanks, Beth. She's got the greatest smile on her face right now. It's just made my day. Thank you. <laughs> so, okay, so let's start with Colorado Women's Hall of Fame. Tell people where they can find you on social media and your website. So, um, www.co um, for Colorado, C-O, great women, G-R-E-A-T, W-O-M-E-N, dot org. And if you go there, you can find, find our Facebook, else. our Twit, Great. Twitter, all the rest. Our Twit. <laughs> our Twit. Yeah. Our Twitter. Our Twit. Yeah. Our twit. Yeah. Tweet. 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 Twitter account. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Got it. So um, cogreatwomen.org. Go find that, and all the links will be there. And Amy, how can people find out about the Colorado um, Girl Scouts or Girl Scouts of Colorado? We are girlscoutsofcolorado.org. Gosh, you guys make it really easy. <laughs> Real easy. It's a long one to type in, but it's easy to remember. But I think if anybody searches and social media the same, if any, if you type in Colorado Girl Scouts of Colorado, people are going to find you on yes. social media. All of our handles on uh, Facebook and Instagram specifically are G S C O L O. Okay, we'll put that in the show notes for cool. both of you. And thank you guys again for joining the show. And for those of you listening, if you're listening on ladieschitchatclub.com, please make sure you leave a comment. Or if you see my name highlighted, I think it's purple for Beth. I'm going to make sure that my my name, her, her favorite color is purple, just if you didn't know that. Um, my name is highlighted. You can click that and it will take you through the interwebs to me directly. Or if you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, or any other app, make sure that you leave us a rating or a comment. And let us know what you think because we love to hear 